8: I hope all of you are having a fantastic day wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. It is Thursday. I had to be careful there to think exactly. And the drama surrounding Tom Brady and the New England Patriots continues to build. I can't get enough of this story. Be honest with you. Every time there's an update at all, I click on it. I am constantly scrolling through Twitter to see the latest. Tom Brady, I believe, is going to be one of the three biggest free agents in the history of the NFL, joining Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, as the triumvirate of drama in the league, in the history of free agency. And the latest, well, yesterday we talked about the idea of the San Francisco 49ers jettisoning Jimmy Garoppolo and moving on and getting Tom Brady and potentially Jimmy G going back. To the uh, New England Patriots. After we talked about that, more drama came out. Tom Curran, who uh, is a uh, a Patriot insider and writer uh, in the Boston area, reported that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick had spoken and the conversation was pretty much all business and that Brady wasn't necessarily happy about it. Adam Schefter, wrote his own version of that uh, of that story, saying, no, 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 there's nothing to it. The calls are typically all business. And so there's nothing really to take note of associated with that. So there are uh, there's that story. And then as if that were not enough, Dana White from the UFC is doing an Instagram live show and he decides to call Tom Brady, live on Instagram and argue that he should go to the Oakland Raiders. And I believe we have audio of that as the Tom Brady world continues to turn. Here is what that sounds like.
4: The stadium, the facility is incredible. The training facility that they have outside of Vegas is unbelievable. It's a 45-minute flight from L.A. Your kids and your family could live there. You can fly back and forth. We want you to come to the Raiders
8: that that's the, You know I've been pitching you now for you. for a month. I love you, too. Come on, brother. Get to Vegas. Thanks, man. I know it's been a lot of patience for me. And
3: obviously, being where I've been for 20 years, it's been an amazing experience. And I don't know what the future holds right now. I'm just trying to be patient through this process, my first time going through it. And uh, in the meantime, I'm going to spend a lot of time with my family over the next 10, 12 days. And we got a little vacation planned,
8: which I'm looking forward to. So I don't know if Tom Brady knew he was being interviewed. He kind of sounded like he knew it. But big time move by Dana White. Power move to get Tom Brady on the phone. And if you are following the odds market, it has been a fairly substantial gradual move here. Uh, The New England Patriots are now basically even money to keep Tom Brady. But the Tennessee Titans have moved All the way from 16 to 1 down to 2 to 1 in uh, Fox bets odds of where Tom Brady is going to play next. All right. So the Patriots uh, look, there are lots of different moving uh, targets here, lots of different stories to follow. A lot of times, what I enjoy doing is watching what the betting markets are saying. And so here is what the betting markets have said. The Titans have moved from 16 to 1 all the way down to 2 to 1. They are now the second leader to get Tom Brady in the offseason. We've got the Raiders at 3.5 to 1. We've got the Chargers at 5 to 1. The Colts at 6 to 1 and then it jumps up a decent amount the bucks at 13 to 1 dolphins 20 to 1 bears 22 to 1 49ers who was the hot rumor yesterday you can still get them at 33 to 1 suggesting there's not a lot of uh, of fear there that they could move from Foxbet because again if somebody puts down $100 they could get back 3300 that would be a lot of exposure for Fox Bet if they thought this was real. The Lions also thirty-three to one. The Giants thirty-five to one, and the Carolina Panthers forty to one. Now, that is the latest according to Fox Bet. What is also intriguing uh, as the NFL free agency drama sw- uh, swings around, I don't know if there's anything tr- to this. But there were a lot of reports last night, including from my former co-worker at FS1, Cole Wright, who is now based in Chicago, that Eli Manning went out to dinner with the Chicago Bears last night. Does that mean that Eli Manning could be considering coming out of retirement? Does it mean that the Bears kind of see Eli Manning as a potential backup for Mitch Trubisky and they think that he has things to teach? Could it be about Eli Manning being a uh, a coach who knows, but there are lots of different moving parts here in the NFL uh, free agency drama and Tom Brady basically holds all of the cards more than uh, more than anyone else. So when you hear these numbers, does it make you believe that Brady again, initially Brady was a huge favorite to stay with the Patriots. Now he is almost even money and the Titans are all the way down to two to one. Maybe that's partly a result of the Facetime. There seems to be some kind of a coalescing of opinions in many circles. And this is what I've been telling you from the get-go. That if Tom Brady leaves, the best possible option he is likely to have is with Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. The Titans still have not made a decision about what to do with their franchise tag, I would tell you that if suddenly you hear, oh, they franchise tag Derrick Henry, and they're willing to let Ryan Tannehill hit the open market, that is a storyline that is certainly worth following. There is one week left in the uh, the decision about who to franchise tag marketplace out there. Uh, And so a big decision here is will Tom Brady officially hit the open market is he going to contemplate in a serious way leaving and if so where does he go well the markets are telling you that the titans are now favored if tom brady decides to leave the patriots and it's roughly even money that tom brady is going to leave the new england patriots let me bring in the crew by the way we got a loaded show appreciate all of you guys hanging out with us here on this thursday morning uh, we're going to talk with Frank Isola next. Uh, we'll talk about this story and also the ridiculousness of the Spike Lee drama. Uh, we haven't talked about that a lot, but the Knicks seem to only exist basically as an NBA franchise now to feud with their own fan base. Uh, then we will roll into our three. Dr. David Chow will be with us. All right, let me go ahead uh, and uh, and bring in the crew. First question do you guys love this drama as much as I love this drama as it pertains to Tom Brady? Are you following this as closely as I am, uh, Danny G?
4: Hell yeah. Notifications going off from uh, my Twitter account as I follow it closely each hour every day. And a lot of it is our job, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. makes our job Extra special at this time of the year because usually there's just a lot of smoke screens going around the draft, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden with this 50-50 chance of Tom Brady leaving the Patriots, there's smoke screens going of on. all the
8: different with, teams that are in, in, yep. in, in the mix here, but also what it means for all of those different teams, whether Brady decides to go or not, he is – sort of the domino yes. that sets off the entire uh so many different additional dominoes in this league he's the one that gets tapped and opens up so many other different possibilities at the quarterback position and uh, and so it's uh, it's incredibly interesting to follow.
4: I can't remember an off season where we had this much drama between free agency and the draft. Not only does Tom Brady set the dominoes off, but Tua does as well in the draft. So we have two quarterbacks to pay close attention to right now.
8: And there's always guy who says I don't understand why you care so much about Tom Brady. It's interesting when I worked. So uh, I've written many different places online in the last fifteen years. Uh, I run my own site now, OutKick.com. By the way, for everybody out there, uh, we are donating all proceeds from all OutKick sales. So if you go to OutKick.com to tornado relief in the uh, in the Nashville and in the Middle Tennessee area, uh, 25 people died on uh, late on Monday night, early on Tuesday morning in those tornadoes. Tons of damage all over my hometown and the communities near my hometown. And so we are donating all the proceeds from OutKick.com. So if you go to OutKick.com, you buy anything, all of the proceeds from that for the remainder of the week is going to go to charity. And I should give credit to the Tennessee Titans, who we're saying is now the team that is favored if Brady leaves the Patriots to uh, to sign Tom Brady. The Titans announced they were giving $1 million uh, to, uh, to tornado relief all over Tennessee and the mid-state area. And uh, then the NFL also da- donated $250,000. They're obviously got a lot more money in their back pocket uh, than I do, but that is a great gesture by the NFL and by the Titans, and we will be no- donating in the thousands of dollars thanks to you guys and the things that you guys are buying uh, from uh, from OutKick as a uh, as a way to give back. So just FYI on, on that, but a lot of people out there will say, well, why do you care so much about Tom Brady? And I used to hear this back in the day about... Brett Favre's uh, free agency and about Peyton Manning's free agency. There would always be a, a vocal minority that would say, "Oh, this is so overcovered; nobody really cares." And one of the interesting things about running an internet website is you can turn on the data and analytics and actually look at what people are clicking on. And back in the day, and this has been a while now. When I was at FanHouse the amount of obsession with Brett Favre was off the charts. Will he or won't he retire? Will he or won't he play? I remember when he landed back in Minnesota, the absolute frenzy that that set off. People were like, I don't know why this is getting covered so much. I don't care. And then you could actually go look at the clicks, and Brett Favre and whether he was going to retire and whether he was going to play was like 20 times the interest of any other story. And I feel like even the people who are claiming that they don't care about Tom Brady are mostly lying to us. They are, based on the data that I see, obsessively clicking and paying attention to this story. So, I can't get enough of it. Many of you agree with me. Some of you are being uh, are, are being uh, party poopers here and arguing, oh, what why do you care so much about Brady? Every day it's Brady. Yeah, every day it's Brady. Every day there's a new twist in the Tom Brady saga. We are going to cover it because... I see the data, and you guys can't get enough of it. Dub, are you all in here? We've been saying it for a while. It's interesting that the market is now starting to agree from 16-1 to that Tom Brady was going to sign with the Titans. Now it's all the way down to 2-1. to From Tom Brady is going to be a uh, New England Patriot prohibitive favorite, uh, now basically at 50-50 whether Brady is going to stay or go from the New England Patriots.
6: Yeah, I, I'm with you I and Danny G. I cannot get enough of this drama. And the odds, I mean, those are some significant jumps right there, and only in a matter of a couple of weeks, too. And I was kind of always in the camp with you. You know, I I, I always thought that, uh, that Brady's going to come back to New England. He's going to finish ca- his career out there. I was always hoping he would leave because of this drama, this storyline. Uh, but now I'm really starting to get my hopes up here that Tom Brady is going to be finishing his career in another uniform and this story is only going to get bigger until the day he decides and I think he said it with his own words with Dana White 10 to 12 days so in 10 to 12 days we may actually have an answer on this great debate on where Tom Brady will be ending his Hall of Fame all-time greatest career and I just cannot wait
8: and it's interesting 10 to 12 days the negotiations start on March 15th so you can uh, legally negotiate with other teams on March 15th, which I believe, and I believe that's a Sunday. Am I right about that? I think that's a Sunday, and then the official start of NFL free agency, it's like the NFL just parachuting in and taking all the attention from college basketball. The official start of NFL free agency is the Wednesday afternoon before the Thursday when the NCAA tournament begins. So a lot of news stories will be dropping in those three days around NFL free agency, and uh, and a big part of that will be whatever Tom Brady decides to do. Eddie, are you all in on uh, on the Tom Brady obsession? I wouldn't say I'm as as ex- as excited as it seems you guys are. But then again, you know he could go to the Titans and he could go to the Raiders. So that's, I mean, I think that certainly plays into it. He's he could go, go to the Chargers. Your wife's favorite team? Yeah, she w- she doesn't like Tom Brady at all. That would be a really bad thing, actually. So. Um, but I, I, I will say this. I'm really interested to see if he does a sign to new England, where he goes and how that affects everything else. That is the most interesting part of this for me. Yeah. Uh, and our, what about you, Roberto? You all in? Not all in. I'm like Eddie, but
4: I'm, it's interesting to see where he's going to end up. I don't, th- I think he's going to end up with the Patriots. I don't think he's going to end up with
8: the Titans. It is interesting that, uh, that the numbers have moved like they have. I will tweet out that Fox bet link with all of the latest numbers from them. Again, lots of movement over the past several days uh, as, the, as the smoke sort of increases that Tom Brady's tenure in New England may come to an end. Now basically at even money, whether he is going to return to the Patriots. Be sure to catch live editions of
1: Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
5: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
8: Bring in Frank Isola at the Frank Isola. Frank, I know that you have covered over the years a lot of NFL free agents. I am. Uh, I started off the show saying this Tom Brady drama feels a lot like Brett Favre. Willie he won't he retire? Is he going to go to the Vikings? Is he going to play for the Jets? Is he going to come back to the Packers? We went through that for multiple years. When Peyton Manning left the Colts and went on his free agency tour, it was a massive story. I remember ESPN had helicopters following him around as he got in an SUV and drove to the Broncos facility. Same thing for the Titans. All of the, uh, all of the massive coverage that was out there. I can't get enough of the Brady coverage. Would you put it in that same next line where people are just following this with a frenzy and what do you expect him to actually decide to do?
0: It's interesting. Not only, I mean, is it big, but the, the what I find maybe it's a little odd is that Tom Brady seems to be enjoying it. Yeah. Whether it's the commercial that he did for the Super Bowl, he's That's at a the point. Syracuse basketball game. You would think at this stage of his life and his career. He wouldn't really get caught up in it, but I kind of think he likes the attention, which is a, a little bizarre because I never thought he was like that. um i don't I thought for the longest time that he was going back to the Patriots, but you know the more and more you read about it and hear about it, and I kind of get the feeling that he doesn't want to be back there, and I kind of get the sense too that maybe Bill Belichick is kind of ready to move on because we do know that Bill Belichick's history. Over the years, was getting rid of players probably a year early as opposed to a year too late. And what, you know, you look at the Patriot roster. Look at all the guys that Bill Belichick is coaching. They're most most are going to be in their twenties. Some guys in their thirties. Here you have like a forty two year old quarterback who probably, at this stage of his life, and you know, dealing with Bill Belichick for twenty years, it's probably at the point where their relationship—not that they don't like each other, respect each other—maybe they're just a little tired of one another. I think Brady's going to be making a big mistake by leaving. You know, it depends on where he goes. If he goes to your Tennessee Titans, maybe that'll be different. But, you know, I think he he knows what to expect in New England. He knows the system, everything like that. You know, spending his career with one team, I think in the long run, I think he's going to end up making a mistake.
8: So, I agree with you that Brady does seem to be liking the attention. We had the Dana White video on Instagram live yesterday. Like you said, the Syracuse uh, the Syracuse drama, the fact that there's even things being leaked about how their phone conversation went between yeah. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Theoretically, there's only two people who are talking. So when you hear a leak come out from a phone call that only involves two people, somebody's talking, I can't imagine that it's Bill Belichick. Right? I just find it hard to believe that Belichick's calling the media, talking about what his conversation with Brady was like. So Brady must be talking about that to some people, which allows that to get out in some way. Um, and I do think this kind of goes to one of the reasons why Tom Brady, I believe, has been so wildly successful is his own insecurity. And what I mean by that is most people who have tremendous success allow that to become their armor, and they don't allow that insecurity to still bubble up, it seems to me that Tom Brady loves being doubted. He likes people not believing that he still is good enough. And this attention that he's getting in free agency has to, in many ways, be a validation for him of, hey, I've still got it, people still like me, I'm still really good. But also, simultaneously, I think he's looking for Bill Belichick to give him that endorsement. And Belichick's like the parent who's never going to be that uh, that that uh, that positive about how his uh, son or daughter performs in a uh, an athletic event, and it's like Brady wants that uh, wants that moment in the sunshine. He's not getting it. Increasingly, I think it's more likely that he's going to leave. Now, whether it's a good move or a bad move, I think is a, is a great debate. And and I've said from the get go, if he's going to leave, there's no doubt to me that the Titans are the best destination. But uh, I've been questioning whether he's going to leave. Now, Fox Bet and a lot of other odds makers who are hanging numbers on this, putting their money where their mouth is, are increasingly of the belief that he is going to leave the Patriots. Uh, all right, so they, that story is out there, and people can't see. to the get the only,
0: the, the only thing I just wanted to say really quickly was, you know, it's interesting too. Like we, we romanticize about these guys finishing their career with one team, but you know, if you look at like Derek Jeter, and I kind of compare Jeter a lot of times to Tom Brady like Derek cheaters last year in new york was not great i know right. the final two games that he had were terrific but it really you know they didn't make the playoffs there was a lot of talk of why is he batting first and second in the lineup he should be dropped and even kobe bryant that's another guy who spent his entire career with one team it did not really end well the last game was great but you know they missed the playoffs a couple of times he kind of put them in salary cap l and he you know he didn't play well so that's the one thing for people to keep in mind a lot of times, like the endings for these great players with their connection to the organization, it's not always a very smooth kind of clean break.
8: Well, we just saw it in the NFL with Eli. I mean, yep. would it really have been worse for Eli Manning if the last two years he had been on a different team than the Giants? Maybe some people would argue yes, but he gets benched for a younger guy. He comes back in when the when the younger guy has a high ankle sprain, uh, gets a win to get back to five hundred all time. But it's not as if it was a storybook ending for Eli. The the Peyton Mannings of the world, and I know Peyton left the Colts and went to the Broncos, but the number of guys who end their career with a championship, the John Elway-Peyton Manning right off into the sunset ending, is what we would all like to see, but it doesn't happen very often. What's more common is Jordan should have left in 98, never come back after he drained the jumper on, on, on Brian Russell to win his sixth in eight years uh the second three-peat instead he comes back for the Wizards and I feel like a lot of basketball fans just pretend the whole Wizards era didn't happen
0: (laughs) I think Michael Jordan is the same way by the way he pushed off on Brian Russell yeah that's exactly right he did the league admitted that
8: uh that would have been by the way though that iconic way him posing as he drained the jumper even if he got away with an offensive foul in the process uh all right Eli we just mentioned Eli reportedly out to dinner with the Chicago Bears uh, that was talked about by many different sources in the media last night. Do you think Eli is having second thoughts about retiring? Do you think the Bears could be interested in bringing him in? Or is this just a smokescreen? Eli was just interested in having a meal. Maybe, maybe he's thinking about coaching. Maybe <laughs> he's just got friends in the Bears organization.
0: You know, and you you just mentioned it too with you know, some of these guys that it's tough to just walk away. And I think 3-Lay really Manning... You know if you don't do it now you can't do it five years from now so maybe there's a part of him that kind of is already missing it a little bit of thinking should I do it one more time now he has a very close relationship with the people in the giant organization his you know press conference to announce that he was retiring was very emotional the idea that he'd retire as a giant I have to think that maybe he's having some second uh, thoughts about it you do know that the Chicago Bears are looking to bring in a veteran quarterback and, with you know, I have no problem with what they're doing. I mean, they're basically telling Mitch Trubisky, you're our guy, but don't think for a minute, like, we want, to, we want to try to go to the Super Bowl, and if you're going to slip up, we're going to put somebody in there. I think, I don't think that Eli Manning is just taking a meeting and, and having a meal there unless he's not serious about potentially returning. I would also say this, though, about Eli. I mean, is he going to just, like, pick his family up and move? So I think family considerations – would factor into it, whether or not that's something he would want to do. Because probably if he spent one year in Chicago, I doubt he's just going to bring his family with him for the year. So uh, I, do, to me, Eli doesn't come across as the kind of guy, unlike Brady, that probably likes the attention. So I think it's something that he's clearly considering. And you just mentioned his brother, you know, the way it worked out for his brother. Maybe there's a part of Eli where you start to convince yourself, you know what? I don't really like the way that I went out, and I could – you know what, maybe things will work out in Chicago. I could lead us to the Super Bowl. You know that there has to be a part of him that thinks that way.
8: There's no doubt at all. We're talking to uh, Frank Isola at the Frank Isola. You can watch him on Around the Horn, often also sitting in on PTI. You can read him at The Athletic. You can listen to him at Sirius XM and also here every single Thursday morning. All right, speaking of drama, the Knicks seem to only exist to feud with their fans now. We (laughs) had the Charles Oakley absurdity. And now Spike Lee, who, uh, God bless him, I mean, I think I read he's been spending $300,000 a year for the last uh, couple of decades to sit courtside and watch an awful basketball team. Now the Knicks are feuding with him over the way that he's choosing to enter Madison Square Garden. Uh, You've been to Madison Square Garden a lot over the years. What in the world is going on here?
0: I've entered that way, the employee entrance on 33rd Street with Spike Lee plenty of times and ridden that elevator. Up to he would get off at the fifth floor, we'd get off at the, that's the media would get off at the uh, sixth floor. What makes no sense, Clay, is, you know, I, you know, the Knicks are one of these organizations with Jim Dolan running it. You know, if, if you're doing a good job in the media and a team is terrible, the Knicks for the most part for 20 years have been terrible, you know, the coverage is going to reflect the results. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've had it in for a bunch of us in the media, which is fair. I mean, we're writing about how bad they've been. And, you know, they, you know there is a level of harassment and, you know, just like the way you get treated. But let's remember, we're the media. I'm not paying the tickets to go to the game. So a few years ago, you have a player, a beloved player, who, you know, used to spend his career diving on the floor for loose balls. Now you look up and they're dragging him on the floor out of the building in handcuffs. And now here's Spike. And you just mentioned it. he's a paying customer. And listen... Did Spike maybe blow it up, and does he like the attention that he's getting from it? Sure, but like I said, and Spike, when he stands there courtside, he does love being part of the show, and some people could find that obnoxious that he wants to kind of be the team mascot, especially at this stage of his life. But when Spike walks into the building, he does not act like he owns the place. You know, He doesn't act like, I'm a big shot, I'm here, you get out of the way, I can do anything I want. He had been entering there for a long time. But again, let's pretend that Spike is 100% wrong here. What do the Knicks have to gain by going after their most famous fan, who, like you said, I think, you know, if you add it up over the years, he's been a season ticket holder. I think thirty years. It's probably he's probably spent close to ten million dollars. Why would you fight with him? You're trying to. You know, after the Oakley thing happened, it really turned off a lot of NBA players. So you still have that kind of fresh in the minds of a lot of guys. Now you're going after Spike Lee. What what do you have to gain? You're not going to win that. Even if you even if you're 100% right and the whole thing is silly to begin with, but it just shows you this is the kind of stuff that the you know that the Nick owner concerns himself with and it's a he he's thinking I'm winning the battle here, but in the long run he's going to lose.
8: Here's what I would say. Do you ever uh, we we've criticized the Lakers a lot, right, for some of their management issues, and obviously things are going great with them with LeBron and Anthony Davis right now. But can you ever imagine the Bus family feuding with Jack Nicholson over the way that he enters <laughs> the Laker <laughs> arena, either the Forum or Staples Center? I mean, just I mean, just think about the way that PR works. Even if Jack Nicholson were doing something that the Lakers were not happy about. Can you ever imagine them feuding with Jack Nicholson over the way that he enters the building?
0: You have a, you're 100% right. It would be like the Chicago Cubs having a hard, getting into it with Bill Murray. Yeah, What would be the point? I remember once at a Nick game, Jimmy Buffett goes, uh, is, I
8: believe is a season ticket holder in Miami. That's right. And Buffett, well, at least asking, he used to be. He sat courtside for a long time with the Heat.
0: Yeah, and he was getting into it with the referees. And I don't know if he got kicked out or he got reprimanded, but Pat Riley, in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, came out in defense of Jimmy Buffett and said, "I guess the referees aren't parrot heads." And the (laughs) whole thing. But you're you're right. Like, what would be you know? What are you gaining from doing something? And again, I get it. Spike Lee could drive some people nuts, and he definitely thinks that he's part of the show, and he's standing up and he's on the court. Whatever, I get it. You don't you don't have to like that part of it. But let's face it, for the Knicks, that is kind of their brand. And a big part of people going to Knicks games, Clay, especially once you get to March and the Knicks are eliminated, now granted, they're usually eliminated by December, you get a ton of tourists going to games. And that's part of the thing for a lot of people going to games. They want to go. They want to see what celebrities are there. The Knicks are going to show all the celebrities up on the big screen. 20 years it's going to be now. One playoff series victory. One. I mean, the the Golden State Warriors have been the five straight finals. The Knicks have won one playoff series. And Clay, think about the money that they have spent in salary over those twenty years.
8: And it doesn't seem like things are suddenly going to get better next year. No, nope. that that's what stands out to me. Like, what what is the you know uh, light at the end of the tunnel? Is the light at the end of the tunnel going to be something positive, or is it a train? I still feel like it's a train for Knicks fans. Like you're going to get flattened again.
0: No, I I think you're right. And you look at these organizations, I always talk about, like, the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat have not been great for 20 years. There are some years where they're bad, but, you know, they have a certain way of doing things, and before you know it, they're back on top again. It's like, you know, the the, the strong, solid organizations, the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball, the Patriots are clearly like that. You know, you have to have the right owner, the right guy running it, the right coach, and the Knicks have never been able – Find that, but Clay, part of it is you know, for the owner, they sell out, you know, a majority of the games, they're making money hand over fist. The franchise is worth more than any other NBA team. So, you're going to sit here and tell the owner that he's, that he's not winning, he's going to look at you like you're nuts. But I, I just love when people say, Oh, he wants to win, he spends money. Well, a lot of owners want to win, he's clearly not going about it the right way, and they're not learning anything from all the mistakes they make. They just kind of change some of the people that are in charge. But a lot of that, the core people behind the scenes stay there and the results stay the same. The, I always say this, the one thing that never seems to change with the Knicks are the results. They always seem to be losing. And there's seven straight years now of, uh, of seven straight losing seasons. And I think it's going to be about four or five with at least 50
8: losses. Uh, we're talking to Frank Isola at the Frank Isola on Twitter. You're a big soccer guy. I'm betting you saw Jurgen Klopp, uh, the, uh, the coach of Liverpool's, response when he was asked about the coronavirus did you see that yeah it was great (laughs) Uh, for people out there who may not be familiar with Klopp uh, what is he like and I I just looked on my Twitter feed this morning when I woke up that has been favorited and shared that response nearly a hundred thousand times almost all favorable 12 million people have watched it what do you think that is saying about why it's why people are responding so well to that on social media
0: well, a couple of things. Jurgen Klopp, who's a German, and he coached at uh, Borussia Dortmund, which is the place where Christian Pulisic played, and now you've got the kid Gio Reyna. So they've had a lot of high-level American players. On the sideline, he's very demonstrative, but he's a great, great manager. He, you know, coaches Liverpool. They're going to win the Premier League for the first time. And he is kind of a brutally honest guy. And it's funny, you know, when he was asked about it, he said to the reporter, uh, you know, what are you asking me? Like, what does it matter what my opinion is? on the coronavirus, I'm just a manager. And it's funny, at, you know, working in newspaper for a long time, whenever something awful would happen, it would be like, get the player's reaction to this. Like, you know, something like September 11th. I am to myself, why would the player's reaction be any important than my reaction, my neighbor's reaction, some fans reaction? I, yeah. A lot of times I don't, I don't understand those kinds of stories. And that was kind of his response to it. It's like, why? Well, I'm not a doctor. What are you asking? Like, I'm a, I'm a football manager. What are you asking me about the crime? I'm, I'm not going to be talking, speaking from a place of expertise. I, I I thought it was a really good answer.
8: Yeah, we're going to play that for you to finish off the hour and then open up phone lines because I'm curious what it represents that people responded so favorably to it. Frank Isola, people respond favorably to you. Thank you for hopping on the show, my man.
0: Clay, Clay really quick, we are thinking about all you people in Nashville, and it was awesome to see all the fans that showed up for uh, Nashville's first MLS game. Really cool. Oh,
8: it was very, very cool. Nearly 60,000 people showed up to watch them play Atlanta. uh, Thanks to Frank Isola and uh, to a lot of you reaching out uh, associated with that Nashville uh, tornado.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
8: You're just waking up with us. We started off the show last hour talking about as the Tom Brady world turns uh, there's Brady drama surrounding the uh, the audio from an Instagram live with UFC's Dana White where he's trying to persuade him to come play for the Oakland Raiders. There are multiple reports that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have spoken that those conversations were pretty much all business and didn't go particularly well. And uh, as I began the show by talking about, there are new odds up from Fox Bet about where Tom Brady is likely to go and play for Week One of the 2020 regular season, Fox Bet has the New England Patriots at minus 118. The Tennessee Titans are at plus 200, two to one. Now moving up on nearly even money between the Patriots and the Titans. The Raiders uh, just shy, uh, well, three and a half to one. The Chargers five to one. Colts 6-1. to one. Those are the only teams with single-digit odds as we continue to follow as Tom Brady's world turns. Uh, we will obviously keep you apprised of any of the latest uh, aspects of that story as we head towards the weekend, the next to last weekend, before, or the final weekend before you can officially begin negotiating on Sunday, March 15th with other teams if you are a free agent so still a lot of drama to come there as if that were not enough also uh we have been talking about a jurgen klopp answer to a question the liverpool manager that has gone viral and i'm looking at it right now i tweeted this out yesterday i tweeted out the response to this jurgen klopp question which received so much attention and it's one of the most shared uh, audio and video clips that I have ever put out there. And let me, uh, let me give you the numbers, which is you know kind of an evidence of people responding to it. Over 100,000 people have favorited this clip that we're about to play you that I shared on social media. 25,000 retweets, over 2,000 comments, 12, over 12 million views, on this clip. We're going to play it for you one more time here and then why? Why are people responding to this almost uniformly in a favorable fashion? Jurgen Klopp asked about the coronavirus after a recent match in the English Premier League soccer. He is a German uh, who is now coaching very successfully in uh, in, uh, the English Premier League soccer. Here is what it sounded like.
7: Asking on a wider question about the coronavirus, are you worried as a team, as a club, about the spread of it or how it might affect
0: you? Look, what I don't like in life is that um, a very serious thing, a football manager's opinion is important. I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. I could ask you. You are exactly in the same role than I am. So, and it's not important. what famous, famous people, but famous people say some. no. You have to. We have to speak about the things in the right manner, not people with no knowledge like me, talking about something. People with knowledge to talk about it and should tell the people, do this, do that, do this, and everything will be fine or not. So, and not football managers. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shape.
8: (laughs) I mean, I think people love this because it's the exact opposite of what has been going on for so long. And at some point in time, we pivoted where suddenly we care a great deal about what famous people say. And I think it's the way the media covers it. Because it used to be kind of a roll the eyes, oh, this famous person, whether it's an actor or an actress or an athlete, has this opinion, and we're kind of going to roll the eyes because the expectation is that person, that famous person, by and large, is not really that well-informed. And something similar happened at the Golden Globes when Ricky Gervais got up. And I don't know if we still have that clip, but it also went incredibly viral. But, it, but essentially, one of the lines that he had was, if ISIS had a streaming service, you'd tell the, your agent to call them, right? You just All you care about is money and your career. So this idea that suddenly you're considered to be a voice of uh, prominence that is particularly knowledgeable, right? There's a difference between... You have the right to your opinion like everybody else does. But should we treat a, a soccer manager, as he says it, or an athlete as if they are more knowledgeable than the average person on the street? I think the answer is no. Because for the most part, they aren't. They have serious jobs doing something else. And I think in a social media era, we have started to connect famous person, famous person, in a headline and think that means that people care, right? Oh, Steve Kerr on Donald Trump. Oh, people are going to click. LeBron James on China. People are going to click. And the NBA has leaned into this. Oh, we're more than athletes. Oh, we're more than coaches. And I think the American public as a whole fundamentally rejects this idea. I think the American public is somewhere different than where the media is I think the vast majority of people out there listening to me, regardless of your politics, you roll your eyes when somebody in the world of athletics presumes that they can lecture you about politics. I think the American public is still there and the American media has moved. And the American media now treats actors and athletes uh, as if they are legitimate voices here because oftentimes those actors and athletes have the same opinion as the American media. See, this is my theory, and I wrote about it. A lot of people who cover sports secretly realize that their job doesn't matter very much. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that as you age and you realize that you're asking somebody about a shot that they made or they missed, that might be entertaining to you when you're 25 years old. When you're 50 and the athlete is much younger than you are and you're standing there with a tape recorder and you're asking for the one billionth time, what did it feel like to make that shot to either win or lose the game, you start to feel like you are doing something that isn't a very serious adult job. Sports is the toy chest of life. And so I think there's this natural inclination to among that media chattering class to want to be involved in bigger stories. And instead of having to be the beat writer for the New York Knicks, you'd rather, instead of writing about the Knicks game against whoever it was they played last night, the Jazz, you'd rather a Jazz or a Knick player say something political because it's at least something new to write about. And also, if that political statement happens to be something that you actually agree with, but you aren't able to say yourself in your job, you give it way more attention than it otherwise would receive. I think this is a big part of what's going on here. The Philadelphia Eagles aren't going to go to the White House. Yes, for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what I think. I hate Trump. I'm going to use this athlete as an avenue to get my opinion out there. And look, I'm not opposed to opinions. You're talking to a guy who makes a living sharing his opinion every single day. I love my job. I love everything about it. I think I have one of the best jobs that exist in America. I find myself uh, to be incredibly fortunate that I have the the jobs that I have on a day-to-day basis. But I'm also in sports media sharing my actual opinion. A lot of people use athletes as a proxy to allow them to actually share their opinions. We got a lot of people who want to weigh in, 877-996-6369. We'll take some of your calls. But I want to ask the crew really quickly here too. I suspect that you guys reacted in a favorable way to this clip as well. Is that because deep down, this is what the majority of Americans feel that we shouldn't be asking Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, or Jurgen Klopp what they think about the coronavirus because they aren't experts in the coronavirus, and whatever they say, and that's really what Jurgen Klopp is saying here, whatever he says is going to become major news, and if he's not that informed about the coronavirus, just saying, I don't know, is actually so rarely said in American society or global society that it was a breath of fresh air that somebody would say, hey, you know what? I'm a soccer uh, manager. I've got a bad shave, he said, and I'm wearing a baseball cap why in the world would you expect that I'm an expert in how to stop the spread of the coronavirus?
4: Exactly. It's why most of us don't like to feel like we're being preached at by somebody who's not an expert on the subject they're trying to talk about. I thought about Ricky Gervais as well from the Golden Globes. I pulled up his transcript. He says to the Hollywood crowd so if you win an award tonight do not use this as a platform to make a political speech you're in no position to lecture the public about anything you know nothing about the real world most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg so if you win come up accept your little award thank your agent and thank your god and f off okay (laughs) it's already three hours long right let's do the first award
8: Uh, Right? And I think, again, that's very similar to what Jurgen Klopp said, and maybe it has to come from Europe in order for Americans to pay attention. Ricky Gervais is obviously British. Jurgen Klopp, German, speaking English in uh, in a different language than his native tongue. But it does seem like both of these guys have cut through the noise and spoken for the vast majority of the American public. Do you agree with that, Dub, that this is something that the vast majority of American sports fans agree with?
6: I mean, this quote saying to my soul, Clay, because I think I'm like you said, just like the majority of Americans, especially sports fans, that we just get so tired of hearing players and coaches preach, you know, what we should be doing and what should we should be thinking. I mean, I'm not going to go down on Friday night to a bar and ask some bartender for you know advice on the stock market. I mean, he knows just as much as I do. These people are just as qualified as I am to have these opinions. And I think it's just gotten so old at this point that what Jurgen Klopp said really just resonated with a ton of people.
8: What about you, Eddie? You've been doing updates since World War II. Have you ever heard a quote like uh, Jurgen Klopp's? Well, I think that's what's so refreshing about it, especially when you consider that there is something called coach speak. We hear the, the likes of Bill Belichick and basically the art of saying absolutely nothing. So when you hear a coach say something incredibly refreshing and honest it's you're taken aback by it and you, you enjoy it. Yeah, and I do think uh, with something as serious as the coronavirus, he's basically being asked for how he's handling the coronavirus and, and whatever he says is going to go out and feed further the media hysteria surrounding this story. And having somebody say, frankly, I don't know very much about this uh, is is just so rare and so incredibly uh, refreshing that I suspect that's why this thing has gone so viral. I also think the German accent helps because it makes it funnier uh, the way it sounds, and but also cuts through the noise. What about you, Roberto?
4: Yeah, what, what also helps is that Liverpool has 14 million followers on Twitter. I think that also helps the <laughs> fact that, you know, it gets... It got Internationally. YouTube. Yeah, exactly.
8: And I should say, like, I, obviously my audience is American, but I think this cut across a lot of different countries Uh, where people, I I suspect the same thing is going on, right? I don't know, but I would bet that, say, if you're in Italy, there are a lot of Italian soccer players weighing in on politics on a regular basis. And if you're in uh, Brazil or if you're in Russia or wherever you are, there is like this trend line that has occurred of celebrities deciding that they need to use their platform. And by the way, one of the things that I love, people say, oh, I need to use my platform. It's not necessarily your platform. It's really the team in the league's platform because you're on their platform. If you weren't in the league, you wouldn't have the same platform that you do. Now, if you're on your own social media accounts, I think that's a little bit different. But in the pre- or post-game interview, when you're wearing your uniform or you're wearing your team-issued gear, I think people respond to it differently. And then I also think a big part of this is the hypocrisy blew up on the NBA Right, Steve Kerr's got an opinion on every political issue that's ever existed, uh, but when he is asked about whether democracy in China or free speech are things that Hong Kong should have, he says, well, that's a complex issue. Well, wait a minute, Steve Kerr. You've lectured us for years on what you think about gun control, which whatever side you're on is pretty complex because of the Second Amendment, uh, and yet when you're asked about whether you are in favor of Chinese uh, citizens having democracy – freedom of speech you say it's a complex issue. Uh, I I think what people recognize here is when their actual pocketbook gets impacted people become hypocrites in a a really fast way. A bunch of you want to weigh in on the phones. Uh, Let's go ahead and hit several of these calls. Who's up first Dub?
6: Yeah we got Charlie in Nashville.
8: Charlie what do you think? Hey thanks for taking my call. I I think y'all
1: absolutely right. Uh, Talk about the Belichick comparison. The first thing that man said was something so serious. He didn't play it off and make light of anything. He said it was serious. And I think a lot of these uh, media people that are basically nobody knows to poke the bear, like you're talking about Steve Kerr, hey, they know if he, they say something to him, that he's going to come back and basically tell what their opinion is. Nobody's going to listen to them, but they're listening to Steve Kerr. You yeah. know what I mean?
8: Yeah, no, that, that, that's well said. I, and and I, and I do think I was trying to get at that. They know when a player or a coach has a similar political leaning as them. They can't write as the person who's covering a team a story that reflects their political opinion because they're not necessarily in the opinion business, but they can write it if a player or a coach says it. So it's kind of a camouflaged way for them to get their politics out when they become bored with sports. Who's up next?
6: Anwar in North Carolina.
8: Anwar, what do you think? Hey, good
0: morning. I have a little bit of different opinion if you hear me out. Yeah. Let's say if the coach was a physician, but also a coach, would he say the same answer?
8: No, I mean, I think that's an interesting question. I mean, if you have a particular expertise, then I think things are different. Thanks for the call. Like I feel more comfortable weighing in on legal issues as they relate to sports because I have a law degree. And I always make a point on the show of saying, I'm going to put my lawyer hat on here and diagnose this as I see it from a legal perspective. That doesn't mean I'm 100% right in my analysis, but it does give me greater credence. If the coach was also a physician, then I would be like, okay, yeah. I mean, that's certainly a question that would be worthy of being asked. If you have a particular level of expertise outside of the discipline that you are in by yourself, for instance, I mean, I'm trying to think, they're, they're, like Mike Leach. Mike Leach has been on this program before. Mike Leach is a lawyer and also a college football coach. I think Quinn Snyder, who's the jazz coach, lawyer and also an NBA coach. So if he's weighing in on a subject that touches on sports and the law, then I'm going to give those guys more credence because they passed the bar exam than I am a random coach who doesn't really have any more legal knowledge than I do. Right. I mean, I think that makes sense. Everybody has a level of expertise. That's why you go to school. I'm more likely to listen to an engineer talk to me about uh about one of the challenges of building on uh marshy land than I am some random guy who lives on the bayou. Doesn't mean that one might not know more than the other, but if you've been trained in a subject, you should be the expert. Who's up next?
6: Jeff in Virginia.
8: Jeff, what do you think?
6: Yeah, well, thanks for taking my call. I, this is one of my biggest pet peeves, and I think that the media has sort of conditioned these athletes and stars yeah. into believing that we care because of their questions, and now they, uh, they offer it unsolicited. And sort of, you know, I, I'd love to see if the tables were turned on them, Someone who has no expertise on acting commenting on their acting performance or someone that has no expertise on sports commenting on their sports performance. I'd love to see what would happen, how annoyed they would be if the tables were uh, were turned on them.
8: Yeah, well, it happens all the time, right? I mean, everybody who calls in and comments and and tweets anything about the world of sports is not necessarily, quote-unquote, an expert in sports, but it's not that complicated to know how to play basketball. It's not that complicated to know in general, how to play football. But one of the things you'll listen is know the limits of your expertise. You're never going to hear me come on the show and say, boy, I don't understand why this new coach is implementing this zone blocking scheme as opposed to some other philosophy, right? I'm not an expert in X's and O's. I don't presume to be. I don't pretend to be. And I think people respect more so than we give credit when you step back and say, you know what? That's a subject I just I really don't know enough about it. And I try to do this somewhat regularly. When I come on with an opinion, I've typically done a lot of research and examined it. So when I say, hey, I think R. Bryles, for instance, what I've said this week, I think R. Bryles might have been the fall guy for Baylor. And I think if you look at the evidence, this is why I believe it. I think a lot of you trust that I have looked at the evidence and you may not agree with my opinion, but that there is a basis for that opinion. I spend a lot of time, a lot of time building up whatever opinions I have when they're of a serious nature. And so uh, I do think you're correct, though, that social media seduces everyone into the idea that there's a huge demand for athlete opinion, right, in the world of politics. And I think what the athletes are missing oftentimes is social media is not always real life. And I'll give you an example. Bernie Sanders, wildly popular on social media. Joe Biden ain't that popular. Joe Biden's kicking Bernie Sanders' ass in real life. And that's because only about 20% of people are on social media, uh, on Twitter at all, right? So 80% of the American population that was voting in the Democratic primaries on Super Tuesday, they were never on Twitter. So all the people sitting around on Twitter all day, they represent just one in five of the voters. And Bernie Sanders came out the other day on top of that and said, hey... I thought young people were really behind my campaign. People under the age of 30 were a tiny percentage of overall voters and they actually declined. So Bernie Sanders is wildly popular with people who are like 18 to 29 years old. Those people didn't show up at the polls to vote. So in addition to the fact that social media is not real life, a lot of the people who sit around on social media all day complaining about things don't even have the wherewithal or the gumption or the intestinal fortitude to actually get their lazy asses off their phone and go stand in line to vote.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
0: Ladies and gentlemen I'm just glad I was there Boys and
1: girls
2: I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken Dying
5: times here I had a boa constrictor stuck to my face And hey, you have a what? This
8: is Animal Thunderdome Alright, Danny G, what you got for us? Alright,
4: Clay, this headline will definitely catch your attention Opium addicted parrots keep raiding poppy farms in India
8: I don't blame them They got the addiction <laughs> So, they have a lot of parrots in India, or these? Yeah, uh, hundreds. And these
4: birds have been causing huge headaches for poppy farmers in the state of Madhya Pradesh. The uh, local TV station there reports that they've been pillaging crops and gorging themselves on these precious narcotics. Now, this is starting to impact the locals' livelihood. Uh, The farmers are calling on authorities for assistance to keep these parrots away from the farms. If you're wondering about the business, it's a big business there in India. They have over 80,000 acres in this area. Is
8: opium legal in India?
4: You have to have a license. So it's like pot in America? Exactly. Interesting. Now, video footage shows that these wild parrots rip into these poppies. They wait until the farmers cut the poppy pods to help them ripen. According to Earth.com, they're rich in morphine and opium milk. They either cut the stalks of the plant themselves and make and make off with the whole pod or they wait until they ripen and they cut into the the poppies there as they cultivate them they raid these uh, fields 30 to 40 times a day I don't
8: Know how the par- parrots don't die but it's probably <laughs> a good place to be a parrot i guess uh, in the grand scheme of things it's
4: funny you bring that up because it says here at the end of the article that these parrots obviously are intoxicated from the poppies they crash into trees and branches or they're found lying on the ground dazed in a nearby field after indulging and then when the effects wear off, the birds return a short while later for another hit.
8: They're addicted all right what's oh, next? Man.
4: All right a Dublin man has become the first in his country, they think to receive a venomous snake bite. This is the first ever recorded in Ireland. remember St.
8: Patrick, like the, 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 the you know, legend is that yep. St. Patrick chased all of the snakes out of Ireland.
4: Yeah, you're right. This article starts out by saying, legend has it that St. Patrick used his magical powers of faith to drive out all of Ireland's snakes into the sea, but uh, that hasn't prevented people across Ireland from owning snakes as pets. Yes. 22-year-old man ended up being treated with anti-venom in Connolly Hospital there his puff adder which is kind of like a oh viper. that's like
8: one of the most dangerous snakes in the world yeah right
4: it is considered one of the most aggressive and dangerous snakes of its kind it carries a very serious venomous bite they're most commonly found in morocco and western arabia and they are responsible for more snake bite fatalities than any other african snake so they didn't really know how to deal with this clay because yeah, obviously go figure. Yeah, the doctors had to call uh, experts at the National Reptile Zoo to find out about the anti-venom. This guy was barely saved. According to one of the experts there from the National Reptile Zoo, this is the first recorded venomous snake bite in Ireland.
8: Well, uh, the guy, I mean, I'm glad that he lived, but if you have an incredibly venomous snake that you're keeping as a pet, I kind of think you have to expect that at some point you might get bitten, right? I mean, I just don't understand the desire to do this uh, at all. Remember when we had this story a while back about the uh, the woman in like a, a suburb of Philadelphia who chopped the head off of a cobra? Yes. Because some idiot in the Philadelphia had cobras as pets in his apartments, and then of course they got out. Because if you've ever listened to the Animal Thunderdome, every time somebody has a pet snake, somehow, oh, I don't know, the snake gets out. And that becomes like, it's one thing if it's like a boa constrictor or something like that, but when you have cobras and they're just free and clear in the uh, in the neighborhood, can you imagine when, like, I, I would lose my, I, I think I would just faint if I were out walking in my neighborhood and a snake stopped, turned at me, stood up like a cobra does, and spread its head? I would just, I think I would faint on the spot. I'm not a snake guy. <laughs> I'm a snakeist. They terrify me. If a cobra were loose in my neighborhood, I would lose my mind. By the way, I've got a story for you. Uh, is this on your list about the Ohio man who had an alligator?
4: Yeah. All right. Okay, you go for it.
8: I've got it. Dusty Rhodes, interesting name of all. Uh, of all. It's uh, like a
4: cheesy FM radio DJ name.
8: Or, or the wrestler. Do you not remember the wrestler? Oh, Dusty yeah. Rhodes is an iconic guy. He had like a big mosquito bite on his belly. Uh, it looked like he had a big, uh, big sore. I don't know what that was, like birthmark. Uh, Dusty Rhodes, not the wrestler, obtained a baby alligator at a flea market 25 years ago. Uh, In Ohio, he decided to keep it, and uh, eventually the alligator got too big, and the alligator he kept in his basement, uh, and it was over five feet long when authorities showed up and realized they were going to have to remove this alligator. He allowed it and raised it for 25 years from a baby to five feet long, and then the alligator got too big
4: that is crazy yeah they say that they live 30 to 50 years i didn't know that
8: i thought alligators could live like 100 years
4: well i'm talking about ones that are
8: in captivity yes like that i mean yeah that, that that's pretty crazy man i knew that alligators had uh long lives but the it used to be i guess commonplace that back in the day people could buy baby alligators and i guess they still do can you imagine i don't know where the flea market was can you imagine walking around and they're just selling baby alligators and you just buy a baby alligator right there?
4: The, the article says you have to have an exotic animal permit as required by law. What does it take to sign up for one of those uh, and how long to get
8: one? I don't know. But, you know, the, they say the coronavirus started because of uh, a transmission from an animal to a person in Wuhan. Uh, I just I, Can you imagine in the flea market, what's the dude like who's selling baby alligators? Like uh, of all the things that you haven't been to a flea market in a long time. I used to go to them occasionally when I was young, but I would think that that has to be forbidden. Most places, can you just sell baby alligators in flea markets still 25 years ago? Wasn't that long ago, right? I mean, it was, you know, 1995, the kind of surprising to me that you could walk around an Ohio flea market and buy baby alligators from people in 1995. You ever hold a baby alligator? No, it's pretty cool. But I, would, I wouldn't want to keep one in my basement. I can't even imagine how much waste and how much uh, of an issue. What do you feed a five-foot alligator to?
4: 40 pounds of yogurt. Uh,
8: yeah, maybe 40 pounds. <laughs> you still don't know where the 40 pounds of yogurt came from, by the way. All right, anything else or is that the end really, of the animal thing? Really
4: quick, and I hate to end on a downer oh, here. Of course. A three-year-old was killed oh, in no. India. The sixth person in six months outside of the Tamarakur Forest now, in India, they might have to call in our friend Nawab Shafat the tiger, Ali Khan. Yeah,
8: yeah the, the tiger hunter.
4: Yes, because this village outside of that forest now with all these deaths, they're trying to figure out which leopard is doing all of this killing. They think it's the same one. They've been tracking. They've been doing a 90-day monitoring, and they found 12 different leopards that they think might be the culprit. There's controversy going on there in that village in India with the authorities. They don't know whether they should shoot them on site or use darts to sedate them because a couple of the leopards are not adults yet.
8: Yeah, this is what happens. Uh, this is what no- Nawab Shafali Khan told us was that if an animal gets the taste for human flesh, yep. which is not natural, sometimes they will continue. And so evidently this leopard has uh, has gotten the, the taste for animal flesh.
4: And then so what do you do? Do you just shoot every leopard you see at that at th- at this point?
8: That's what I would do. But I know that's controversial because people are like, "Well, you might shoot the wrong one." Well, uh, if they're killing, if a leopard is killing people by the village, if I see a leopard, I'm just going to assume that that might be the one that's killing everybody. That's my theory. That's how I would respond.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
0: app. Oh, 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 oh alright.